All right, you can hear the crunch of gravel, hopefully. I'm not eating with my mouth open, promise, right? Um, so tonight we are going to talk about Dirt Road Anthem 4. So this is my personal story. This is how I have dealt with the stressors and the abuse at all different kinds of levels, right? So my hope is not that you would try and be like, oh, I'm going to do it just like her because I've made some mistakes along the way. Nothing has gone perfectly. Um, but what I did was my best. And I'm hoping that you can take some of the best points and some of the best things that I did out of all of the messy stuff that has happened and that I've walked through and apply it to your situation in such a way that you can benefit. Okay. So this is my way of hoping that there is some type of benefit for you from my pain. <laughs> right. Right. I know we all work out. We want to build that muscle and be like, I want to see the evidence. And honestly, ever since I left my husband, it feels like there's been lots of pain. And I'm like looking around like, wait, where's all the stuff that's supposed to prove that I'm building muscle right now, right? Um, I am actually building muscle, but that has everything to do with um, one of the biggest stress relievers that I started using during that month of desperation, the in-home separation was just walking. I would walk and call my grandma and I'd be so mad <laughs> telling her about everything he had done. And, you know, and in that time, I didn't, I didn't have anyone I could really talk to. All that church support was gone which is nuts because Jesus was consistently merciful and gracious to women with the most sordid, ridiculous past. So I just think people don't know how to handle it. And I especially think people don't know how to handle abuse. And so I would walk, I would walk and talk to God. I started listening to some country music and I would just let it speak to my soul. Okay. Because here's the deal. I'm a Christian, but I believe God wants to communicate with you in so many different ways. He definitely uses country music to speak to me right now in this season. Because during that time period, right, this month of desperation, every time a Christian song comes on my radio, every time I would try and play a CD, I would hear these songs that I listened to, right? I have them because they're my favorite or they were current. And what I had done for years was when I wanted to leave my marriage, I wanted to quit, but I thought it was quitting because I didn't know that what was going on was abuse. So I was exhausted, depressed. I just wanted to leave, felt like I couldn't leave. I was trapped. I was stressed. I was lonely. And these songs would come on. And what I had done is I trained myself every time I heard a sermon, every time I heard Christian music, or maybe not every, but I mean, pretty darn close, okay? I would use those and the message that was being spoken through those to encourage myself to stay in my marriage. So like... <sighs> I was fully aware of how bad I wanted to leave, but I believed that I shouldn't leave. So I used everything I could to anchor myself to that man. Does that make sense? Like he didn't want me. He didn't like it if I touched him. Like if I went to sit by him, he'd be like, get off of me. You're squishing me. Like not even on him, just next to him. If I tried to touch him, he'd be like, why are you always bothering me before work? Don't touch me. And guys, <laughs> My love language is physical touch. Like my number one satisfies me the most is physical touch. And the whole last year we were together, I lived alone. Now, sorry. It felt like I lived alone because other than the times that he was at home yelling at me, putting me down or taking the boys, but not our daughter out to do something, I was alone. He worked two or three different part-time jobs, volunteered. He was doing school. He was doing everything he wanted to do. And I was left alone, dreading when he came home because I knew he'd yell at me, right? We all know the cycle of abuse. Well, he was gone so much that literally the only thing I really got was abuse. And he wouldn't sleep with me hardly ever. He'd stay out on the couch and listen to political videos. 
or he'd go in the kids' room because he didn't get to see them because he was gone all the time, right? Like I was starved for affection, but he would go to these kids' room and lay down with him and fall asleep. And I would sleep in my bed alone. He would even come in sometimes and have sex with me and go back out to the couch. And it's not because I told him to. Were there times I told him to go sleep on that couch? Yuck. Yep. Heck yes, I did. <laughs> there were times that me and had me so mad that I was like, you are not sleeping with me, but then he'd get in the bed anyway because he didn't care about my no, right? We all know about how little abusers care for boundaries for their victim, right? And so I lived this like really lonely time where like at, at home at night, I didn't like sleeping alone, but I was alone. And during the daytime, I had breakfast, lunch, and dinner with just my kids. Like, there was no one else to talk to, which at least I have my kids, right? But there was no other adult. My husband didn't stick around for meals. So it was lonely. It was lonely. And so I was so lonely. And when I was seeing him, he was so awful to me. (sighs) He'd come home, and I just knew. He would smile at my kids. This happy smile, the one that everyone else in the world gets. And then he would turn his eyes to me, sneer, and say, why is this house such a mess? Why haven't you done anything all day? (sighs) Get so pissed. I would be so mad. But I was stuck there with him. And I couldn't leave because he'd have a split shift. So he's only stopping for a while, but he has to leave. And it was only the other day while I was journaling um, that I realized that that was how he trapped me. Right. Like in my mind, I wasn't being abused. I was just this woman who had this broken childhood and my parents were divorced and I struggled to stay. And so I did everything I could listening to every song, every sermon to make myself stay when I was miserable. And then I go to God and say, hey, I don't want to live my life miserable, but my husband won't change. What do I do? So I spent an insane amount of time working on myself to try and be happy when all I really felt was depressed. And. I hated it. I hated it. And I knew I was miserable. I knew it. I knew I was fighting it so hard, but I really couldn't see my husband did not force me up against the wall and tell me I couldn't leave. He didn't tell me that I couldn't go anywhere. Instead, he just ensured that there was no money for me to put gas in the tank to go anywhere with the kids. He made sure that I was with the kids all the time, not getting a break, not having a babysitter, not having anywhere that I could go. My friends stopped coming around because They didn't want to come to my place. I couldn't keep going to theirs. I was so And I knew it. I cried. I used to cry and cry and ask God to give me friends and and ask him what was wrong with me that I didn't have friends and that my husband didn't want me. I was heartbroken all the time. I didn't understand why he rejected me, period. Like my husband consistently rejected me. And I didn't realize that I was trapped. I didn't realize that by him setting up his schedule, so he constantly had to be somewhere off and on until 10 or 11 at night, that that meant that I couldn't leave. Because if I left and then he had to leave for work, there would be no one there to take care of the kids. So he trapped me by planning everything around his schedule so that I could I could never leave. Unless I wanted to strap three kids into the car seats and go out in public, which you know what that means. At that young age, that means you're taking two of them and pull-ups and diapers And you've got wipes and then you might get to the door and have to change a diaper and go back and turn around and then you have to have snacks. And then if it's running into nap time, then you have to deal with nap time. It's a mess. Okay. Doing a single mom stuff is three. When I had a husband was so hard, but it kind of weirdly prepared me for where I am now as a single mom of three without my husband around. Right. And it was hard. 
gosh, it was hard. But I just like, I, I didn't realize. And some of you are like that. Some of you have felt so trapped and so depressed and you give yourself these prep tops and you're like, well, I shouldn't be. It's not that bad. I used to be like, well, he doesn't cheat on me and he doesn't, he doesn't cuss at me and he doesn't hit me. So it's not that bad. I had no idea that the way he set up his schedule actually literally trapped me that I had lost all of my freedom, that I, I didn't have the right to say no. I lived like that for years. And here I was, separated, finally bringing to light how he treated me for years in private, finally accepting that it was that bad, right? Even at that time, I didn't even acknowledge that that was trapping me, but I still knew it was that bad, right? And uh, after that thing with my kids, I realized I'd never be able to say no to him. And that was so scary, right? So I finally, finally leave, walk and come back home when he's supposed to be gone, right? And we did the whole separation thing. And I, I, and I couldn't listen to Christian music. And at first I beat myself up, like, why aren't you better than this, right? And I was like, heck no, you're going through hell right now. Michaela, you still love Jesus. You still have a relationship with God. It's okay. And so I just kind of stood on that and I, and I would listen to these songs and it felt like God was speaking my heart. It felt like for the first time, somebody was out loud saying to me, I care about the pain that you're going through. I care about the fact that he has been hurting you and abusing you for years. Like this is legitimately what I heard God speak to me through music, through different things that I would come in contact with or things that I would say. Like there was one day, I guess maybe this was right before the separation, um, like he had split shifts, right? And so one time I know that I have stuff I have to go to the post office for, but I asked him if in the middle of his shifts, if he can do it because small town post offices and city post offices are completely different. Okay. Small town post office, you go in, you might have one person ahead of you. You pay for your stuff. You leave your in and out in two to five minutes. Okay. City post offices, there's a huge line of people and it feels like they're all shipping a country in the mail and it takes about 20 to 30 minutes. Well, with three kids, two of which might be crying the entire time you're in line, they're doing no-nos, they're grabbing all the stuff. People are grumpy looking at you, right? And so I asked him if he would just mail this. He told me, no, he was too busy. He had other stuff to do. So I get stuck, like usual, right? Going to them, and I, and I, and I just, I, I, cry, I don't know if I cried or if I just wanted to cry. And I get into the post office, guys, and there's no joke. My kids start doing so many no-nos. They start touching everything. I've got my daughter in the carrier and she won't stop crying. They won't stop grabbing. I don't have enough hands or eyes to handle any of it. And I'm just so done. And in my mind, I'm like, I know that if he would have just gone to the post office, it would have taken him 15 minutes max, quietly standing by himself in line. Heck, he could have checked his email on his phone, but instead, because he thought he was so much more important than me, he made me do it. That was probably the beginning of the end, right? But hearing him like feeling so invisible. How many of you that have survived abuse feel so, so invisible until he turns his attention on you? And the moment that he does, it's awful and it's humiliating and it's angry and you wish you would have never caught his attention in the first place. And you wonder why the heck you miss him because you don't actually want him around because you know what he's like when he's around. But some part of you still craves his affection, right? It's the most twisted cycle. And yet that's the, the literal cycle of abuse, right? That's what he uses to keep you going after him, coming back for more, staying in a relationship that's toxic. He uses your longing for love and affection to drag you back to him again 
and again. And here I am just mad and trying not to be miserable, right? Because my motto was don't be miserable just because you feel miserable, right? In that whole year, God had been saying to me, you're worthy of love and respect. You're worthy of love and respect. And I started expecting people to treat me with love and respect. And we finally got to my marriage and I was like, hey, you don't treat me with love and respect, right? Didn't go over well, but that's okay. It was my awakening. And that's why I say all the time, know your worth, know your value, know that you're worthy of respect. Because for me, that was, that was it. That was the beginning of the end was knowing that. And so I check out of the post office and I'm exhausted. How many of you know that after 20 minutes of kids doing nonstop no-nos in public, when everyone is staring at you and you know, they're judging you so hard, ends up being one of the most exhausting things you can possibly do, right? So here I am feeling judged so hard and I get in my car and this gorgeous young woman walks up to me and she says, Hey, I was standing in line and I felt like God told me to give this to you. So I've been waiting on my car for you to get out because I'm telling you, I was waiting, right? And I, I take this necklace from her and it's probably some cheap silver, don't care, right? Because in that moment, I look at the words on the necklace and it says, I am worthy. Uh, can you feel it? Can you feel how powerful that was for me in that moment, feeling so defeated and so miserable and so trapped in my life and my relationship? And this thing that I felt God speaking to me privately for months, this woman that does not even know me, this stranger from the post office stops at my car just so God can let me know that he sees me, that he sees my pain and that I'm worthy. So wherever you are and whatever you're going through, I want you to know that even if you feel invisible, like the biggest piece of garbage in the whole entire world, because people have never done anything but step on you, that you are worthy of love. You are worthy of respect. You have a purpose for your life. You are going to do amazing things and experience great things. And you are worthy of it all. And I had to tell myself, because I didn't have anyone in my life telling me that, but I'm here to tell you, you're worthy of love and respect. You deserve to be treated with love and respect. God loves you and respects you. You don't have to have someone who has control over every facet of your life. You can experience joy and freedom making decisions for yourself. So I really, really, really just want you to know tonight that you are loved and worthy of respect.